Welcome to the Rough Puffs. I'm your host, Andrea Bennett. And I'm Kim Fu. We're on Series 4, Episode 5, Biscuits and Tray Bakes. Uh, Andrea, what is the difference between a biscuit and a cookie to British people? I always thought biscuit was the word for cookies to British people, and now I am to understand they are separate things. I can't tell you. Um, They say at the top of the show that um, Brits spend nearly as much every year on biscuits as they do on fruit and veg, which is an astounding statistic to me. Um, The only way I can see that potentially making sense is if like everybody has an allotment garden and they're just growing their own (laughs) vegetables. Because otherwise, like if you think about it, how much does a package of cookies cost? Like four dollars five dollars yeah um five or six canada is more expensive than the states um and bc is but so is the uk the uk is well anyway whatever five Mm -hmm. or six dollars so how many packages of cookies are you buying every week so that you're that if they're in five dollar increments maybe there are a few people throwing throwing the numbers off like there's just like a Minority people who don't buy many vegetables and buy a lot of cookies, and it just kind of throws off the national averages. The signature is a tray bake, um, and they do give them kind of like free reign with this. It's like they just have mm-hmm. to be perfectly the same size, and everything, every element has to be made from scratch, including like marshmallow or caramel or anything like that. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel like this is hard because it's like, how do you make a tray bake fancy? You know, how do you make a tray? Like, I feel like it's an inherently homey homey looking simple thing like that's the whole concept of a tray bake yeah. um is to be quick and easy you know you you throw it in you slice it up what's your first thought when you think of make a fancy tray bake what would you do um well i know what i did <laughs> so I, I think my first thought is to think about layers and to think mm-hmm. about decoration um i think There is one person who, at the bottom, who pulls away clearly in terms of, like, concept that is not executable in a way that will be fancy enough. And one person who pulls off at the top that's a bit unexpected um, in terms of someone who, like, comes away having chosen well in terms of, like, fancy thing that, like, ooh, you pulled that off. And at the bottom, it's Howard, and the top, it's Glenn. Um, Howard makes In the... the signature i think i agree yeah. howard howard at the bottom i don't glenn at the top didn't he have the, yeah. the monsters yeah he had the monsters but it, i'm talking about the concept stage so okay. howard makes the breakfast tray bake that's porridge oats and i zoned out because it got I, as soon as i heard porridge oats i was like why howard why he, he re, okay he rehydrates dried banana chips and yeah. that in like that gives me a unpleasant feeling viscerally, and I was wondering Squidgy. if I was alone in that. No, it's um, I, my most of my um food squeakiness is is a hundred percent from like like animal based foods, mm. but when someone says rehydrate banana chips, I'm thinking that that has got to be one of the slimiest, weirdest textured things, and I would still eat it because it's not an animal product and so I don't have that I can kind of eat through that weird texture but um but I think as I was chomping it I would be like why why did you subject me to this it's like a slug that tastes like banana why wouldn't you use bananas or 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 or, I don't know it seems like a bad idea all around it does seem like a bad idea it's a more concentrated banana flavor it's just if you want a dried fruit that still has some moisture to it there are so many different ones you could yes. choose you could yes. choose raisins you could choose cranberries you could choose craisins whatever those are uh you could choose figs you could choose dates anything anything not not what he chose anyway uh, and then his yogurt icing, too. Like, he has the simplest bake, and he's supposed to be, he's supposed to swirl on, or drizzle on yogurt icing. And he lines this, like, paper up on top of his bake so that he can do that and have gaps so that it'll, you know, theoretically make it slightly fancy. But then he drizzles it on when it's way too warm. Mm-hmm. And so it just completely sinks into the 
It's just, it's, I feel really bad for him, but it it was a horrible idea. Terrible, horrible, no good idea. No offense, Howard. I'm sorry. Mm -hmm. This is something I would eat, I guess. So a couple times a week, I wake up earlier than the rest of my family and try to sneak out of my house without waking up the cat or the toddler. She's a preschooler now. She's a child. Um, And I, I would eat this, something like this in that situation where I am looking for like nutrition but if I want to serve someone a delicious tray bake mm-mm. no it's definitely it's definitely energy bar necessity breakfast yeah okay so what's so what's so great about Glenn's why is it a great concept oh okay so Glenn I think is he really sort of reaches for the sky both in terms of the height of his tray bake but um he makes his own marshmallow he it it looks tasty and they really they do really like it it's also called an apricot and pistachio tiffin and i love that it's called a tiffin that's a fancy name that's a fancy name paul says they look grotesque um mary says it tastes very good and he's shown them a lot of skills Um, And he has shown them a lot of skills. And so in terms of like, okay, how can I show you a lot of skills in tray bake? Glenn is the one who like aims highest, I would say. Although Francis maybe, are you Paul also agrees that it tastes really good. Um, I thought Glenn's looked like it would be great for a kid's party. Like when I see it and you see all those like gooey layers, you know, sky high. I picture children, like their eyes going really wide when it comes out and being like, oh boy, like I want to dive into it. I'm a giant child. (laughs) (laughs) I'm the child. I want to eat the sky high marshmallow bar. (laughs) Um, In an earlier episode of our podcast, I said that I wanted Rob to be my dad and to marry Kimberly. Um, In this one, I want to... In the, specifically in the signature challenge, I want to be Kimberly and I want to marry Glenn. Glenn seemed incredibly sweet and mm-hmm. just like re, he seemed, he was really funny and really sweet and really charming. Like he had all these great little like looks looks to the camera kind of reactions. Um, and Kimberly, she's just so competent, you know, and Very confident competent. and like focused. And I it's everything I want to be at the very end. She references, uh, the Japanese concept of Kaizen. Yeah. You know, which is in like corporate culture to be like constantly improving. When I grow up, I want to be Kimberly. <laughs> um, I know the term Kaizen from watching, uh, Jiro dreams of sushi. Cause mm. he also talks about Kaizen with the sushi fish. Kimberly did really well. I think she made a lot of a series of really great decisions. She's one of three people who makes a Bakewell tray bake. Yeah, they have a big Bakewell off in this one. She does a soft biscuit base. She does a five cherry middle. Um, sour cherries, dried cherry, sweet cherry. Yeah, a really it sounds delicious. And then she chooses to do a Florentine topping so that she gets some crunch from those almonds. The judges really like it. It's got a great color, a good bake. It looks beautiful, and the texture is great. So, mm-hmm. yeah, she knocks it out of the park. Hers looks the most professional, I think. Hers is sort of the only one that I think looks like something that came from a fancy bakery, even as it's just a tray bake. That's true. I, I would say that that's true. Rob's could... I think Rob's would have if he had had more time. They get two hours, and two hours is a long time, ex- except for the fact... It would be less than two hours for any of these, probably, but spread over a longer period of time, if that makes sense. Like, you'd have mm-hmm. 45 active minutes, but you would yes. give your layers time to... So I feel like Rob would have pulled this off way better at home. But he does the Tarta de Santiago with orange instead of lemon and with blueberries added. And he tops it with a mascarpone and whiskey cream. Yes, that cream looked so good. I don't love whiskey. That's fair, but so Rob's I was very disappointed by. I thought it looked like it looked really good. It sounded like a great idea, and then it's raw and underbaked, and I'm sad. But speaking of things you don't like, like whiskey, mm-hmm. um, before the episode we had a brief discussion about how you thought Francis sounded disgusting, yeah, um, sp- like the banana banoffee. Um, and mm. actually, I think that's the one I would have eaten. I think it looks cool. She does a millionaire shortbread cross with a banoffee pie. And then she makes Jenga with her pieces. And Mary's not worried. Mary's worried about the toffee not setting because throwing the banana into the toffee makes it weird. 
but it does. Yeah, it sets. She does a great job. I think she was slight, just slightly, slightly rushed because there. You can see when they really zoom in, they're sort of cramped. They're cramped. Yeah, yeah. The, the edges so are I very fuzzy. She, yeah, she didn't quite have time to let it hang out and set as long as she would have if it wasn't a competition. And she probably, you know, when it's when you slice, you have to slice it at the right temperature, and you also have to clean your knife after every cut. So she just probably didn't have time to do that. But she does make a good little stack, and it stays all together. I still don't want to eat it. See, see, that's what I mean. Is I feel like the way that the banana is incorporated incorporated in the caramel, like the way she bent off eat it, um, sounds really good to me. It still sounds like a really delicious millionaire shortbread um, with banana incorporated at the right place. Like I think banana and caramel is great. I think banana cream pie is great. I don't eat any of that. I had strep throat a number of times as a child and uh generally had the banana flavored uh penicillin which i'm now allergic to but it doesn't taste like banana it tastes like uh forming esters in a laboratory but banana flavor is like is like a very simple chemical compound to generate um and so i associate it with like children's science kits or like scratch and stiff snickers uh scratch and stiff stickers Oh my god, that's really hard to say. Scratch <laughs> and sniff stickers. Uh, that's why they always spell like bananas, because it's like a very easy thing to make. But I think actual bananas don't taste like that, and banana desserts don't taste I like that. don't like banana. I don't like banana-y things. I, I don't mind banana pancakes or banana bread, but I don't know. I have a very low banana threshold. Uh I don't know. I trust I trust your judgment. I guess if I yeah, I I am the Paul of the duo in that I have these like strong childish preferences that I have no right having doing doing this like non-job. Um but it is what it is. I don't know. It's still like that's it's interesting that we still have to make you bake these things every week for that reason. Yeah. Um, cuz you also can't eat gluten. Like the the restrictions are kind of part of it. Yeah. Uh, is there anybody else's you want to talk about before we move on to the tools? Uh, oh, Becca. Okay, so Becca makes hazelnut and chocolate brownies with cherries. Mm-hmm. Th- this That flavor combination is exactly my jam. Um, and then Ruby is the other Bakewell, and she does a blackberry one with a sweet short crust. I think she's the only one who does a sweet short crust. She's really down on herself this episode real down on ourselves. yes aggressive negative self-talk trying to beat the judges to the criticism their criticisms mm-hmm. um christine's the judges really like uh, i think it looks squidgy like it yeah. looks like something you would get i it looks like something i would get on a plane or a train or like a mm. bus or like at a gas station you know the bus stops i would get it for breakfast and it would be wrapped in plastic <laughs> you know it's yeah. that was my impression <laughs> and I don't know, but the judges were very excited about it, so. Yeah. She did blueberry, blackberry, raspberry, and she talks about her mother's uh, crumble crisp technique uh, as she's doing the the top part. It's, it's you know what it is? Okay, you, we were talking about how Howard's is like the healthy necessity breakfast. Yeah. Um, and then hers is like the desperation bus st- rest stop yeah. breakfast. Oh, no. Poor Christine. Poor Howard. Perfectly nice people. Very talented. Unappealing tray bake mm-hmm. offerings. Shall we move on to the technical challenge? Let's do it. So the judges describe this as the most delicate technical challenge Mary has ever devised. Um, it's a French classic. They have to make 18 tuiles, which are apparently named after the French roof tile. It's they're meant to resemble and they get an hour and a half to do this um half in a traditional manner half rolled up and dipped in chocolate glenn says that he's made them like once before he's like but i never piped concentric anything because because of the ones where they have to pipe the chocolate circles Mm -hmm. and then kimberly says like i feel okay about it i made some last week um but then like kimberly ends up towards the bottom and glenn ends up towards the top kimberly says at the end I've learned something today about how a twill should be. That's useful. Yes. So, yes, <laughs> the, I love with the, that. <laughs> with the Kaizen. I want to react that way to my failures. She makes hers bendy, right? So they don't end up having the snap. Mm-hmm. And I can see how you could make them bendy at home 
and not hate that. Well, so she also struggles with the piping bag situation, right? They don't they don't give them piping bags, and they expect oh, them yeah. to make them. Um, and Kimberly says, like, one time she watched how they were made, and then was like, I don't need to learn to do that. I can always just go buy one, right? And then her she has a like problem with the tip, like the she can't make quite the right size, and then like the piping goes very badly for the for the chocolate worlds. And I think that's what part that's part of what makes it too thick. Yeah, yeah, I think you're right. Um, the twill batter is really weird. It's icing, sugar, butter, egg white, and vanilla essence. That's strange. That's a weird-ass batter. It looks very frustrating to work with, and then especially the way they have to work with it, like scraping across the templates mm-hmm. um, so that they're, you know, whisper thin. When they first, like, sort of discover the templates on their bench, you know, Glenn kind of, like, wobbles it at the camera, yeah. like, what? <laughs> this like what are we supposed to be doing yeah glenn's like just in the oven they just kind of like melt together the first batch he puts in and becca waited a little too long and they're hard to shape and then you know ruby has to take them out of the oven one by one because they're like cooking at such different rates and like everybody has lots of breakage it goes one or two ways right there's a lot of breakage or they're like too thick and floppy um but actually, when Mary comes out and she, like, looks at it initially, she says, like, you should all be really proud. Because um, mm. it is, it does kind of come down to those details um, mm-hmm. in the end. It's not, like, it's not as catastrophic as one would expect, kind of, or something quite that hard. Going into the the showstopper, like, just from this point, like, I kind of felt like Howard was going to lose. Like, I felt like he had sort yeah. of fallen behind everyone else at kind of a fundamental level, like like at the planning stage or just like, like he was missing some sort of fundamental skill set in a really early way, whereas I feel like everyone else was kind of just messing up, you know, having bad yeah. days, making mistakes. Uh, that was my projection at this point in the episode. We should mention like Howard comes in eighth. Yes. In the technical. Yes. Kimberly's in seventh and Ruby's in sixth. Um, yes. So I guess like like Ruby's attention to detail here doesn't really exactly like save her from mm-hmm. getting in the bottom three. And then the best are um, Francis in third, Glenn in second, and and Christine in first. And it's the moment like Christine is stoked on life and and Glenn is like the happiest we've seen him he's had two good challenges in a row Mm -hmm. and he's kind of in his element and it's nice to see him it's nice to see him there because so often he's flubbing stuff a little you know he looks so shocked when they're praising his during the technical you know he's like Mm -hmm. trying to trying to hide he's he's just like overflowing with surprise and joy (laughs) um Ruby does, this is, this is one of those instances where she has this little self-dig, right? As she says, she's kind of muttering, like, I should put it behind someone else's photo, haha. Yeah. Um, yeah. Um. I know, she's, she's not, she's not your favorite. Um. Well, you know, it was for this reason, like, like last time around when, or yeah, the first time I watched the season, this is what really bothered me about Ruby was the negative self-talk and the anticipating the judge's criticism and very often being wrong like talk like standing there talking about how bad it was and the judges being like actually it's great um I found that super frustrating the first time I watched this season uh it's not bothering me the same way this time I'm not sure why that is I feel like it's rolling off me where it like it drove me nuts in the previous mm-hmm. like my first time around um I did want to note that Becca says asbestos hands just like you oh, yeah yeah <laughs> We must have gone to the same school of burning your fingertips repeatedly. Mm-hmm. Um, I went swimming this weekend yesterday off Texada Island in a few different places, and it's um, a limestone island, unlike a lot of the other Gulf Islands or Discovery Islands that are, like, sediment left behind by a glacier. It's mm. like a rock that got worn down by a glacier. Mm-hmm. I love limestone. In ocean context, it gets, like, so craggy and spiky and and pity, and uh, my hands are all cut up from getting out of the water. Mm. <laughs> out of the water. Yeah, and I was, when I was cooking yesterday and today, I did not have the asbestos fingers and any of the tips that are all jacked up. Anyway, it was a very good fire uh, retardant at the 
time it was used, just some other issues cropped up with it. I think it's still mined in Canada and shipped elsewhere, which is uh, very unethical. But anyway, moving along, I thought about making tweels. You know, I... I've never had this reaction to one of these very difficult technicals before, but I kind of want to. There's something like the way in which it's difficult seems like puzzly and interesting to me, whereas most of the time these challenges seem difficult in a way that just seems ridiculous and like not worth the effort. I thought about it, but then it's a matter of getting the templates. Mm. And then it's just like another template in my house. That you never use again, <laughs> that probably? That I may not use again, yeah. Because yeah. I don't, um, I think that if it was, like, when I was getting the silicon molds, there were lots of different things I can imagine doing with them from time to time that would be appealing. Mm-hmm. And I really wanted to eat those marshmallow cookies, that I, the tea cakes. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, tweels are fine. Like, if there were, <laughs> if, you know those, like, uh, Christmas cookie boxes that have like eight different cookies. Mm-hmm. Um, they're never gonna be the first cookie I eat in that circumstance. Given, let's say in this circumstance I eat gluten. But if there are like three cookies left, all the least favorite cookies, and one of those is a tweel, then that then the, in that three left scenario, I will eat the tweel. <laughs> that is a terrible endorsement of tweel. I know. Well, it's. They're fine. <laughs> I really like potato chips, and I like things mm. you can eat in high quantities. I like to, I like something you can, you get to eat a ton of and not feel sick. Um, and then I also like decorative touches. You know, like I like making things photograph mm. well, and I feel like I don't know making like a batch of twill to go on top of something else. I can see, you know, like to top my ice cream concoction or whatever. Maybe you should have a baking corner one of these episodes and do tweels. I would be surprised if this actually happens. I made croquettes, like Japanese-style croquettes today, and it took two and a half hours, and it was, like, so miserable and... I don't know. I think I'm like, I'm like, I talk a big game, but I don't know if like, I think it's more like, (laughs) I think what I mean more like is like, I would have pushed you to make them for Andrea's baking corner if you had not had your heart on something else, (laughs) set on something else, Um, which we should maybe get to now. Yeah. Let's go to Andrea's baking corner. So for Andrea's baking corner, I've sent you all the pictures. Uh, so you've seen what I made. Um, so I I decided to make a millionaire shortbread, and in I think it was lot it was no it was week three the desserts one that we do get a millionaire shortbread from someone. Mm-hmm. Um, and I had decided not to make it at that time because it was kind of maybe a little too straightforward, yes. but. Um, we're back into heat wave season. I've been having a lot of migraines and I wanted to eat millionaire shortbread. I've never eaten it before. It is a shortbread base, obviously, with mm-hmm. caramel center and then a chocolate, uh, a dark chocolate top. And uh, it just looks delicious. I wanted to eat it. So I decided to make it. I made it with chocolate swirlies. So it's got a, mine had a, a decorative chocolate top. The decorative top looks really good. It is that. What's the? Do you know what the name for that swirlies is called? Um, I think of it as like the chevron style. Yeah. So, I made my shortbread base and the caramel the first night, and then I did the chocolate the next morning. So, but I, I let it come back to room temperature. To slice? No, to put the chocolate on. Why? Uh. So that the chocolate would adhere to the caramel, I guess. I was worried if they were like two extremely different temperatures that it wouldn't it wouldn't adhere properly. Mm. And then I did learn too, uh, if you let it get too cold, then it's it won't slice cleanly. It has to be like the perfect temperature for it to slice cleanly. So you kind of have to chill it fully if it's the summertime. In the winter, you could probably just leave it on your counter unless you run your house hot and then you gotta uh, slice it when it's not like cold cold 
So you can chill it fully and bring it back up to room temperature if you want. The slicing is what I wondered about the most, actually. And specifically that, the the right temperature where you could kind of cut cleanly through the caramel layer and the yeah. biscuit wouldn't snap. But also that it, like that it was chilled enough that it would be clean, you know? it wasn't. They weren't going to be yeah. melting into each other as you went. That seems very difficult to me, especially right now. I don't know if it was as hot as it is in this moment as we're recording as it was while you were slicing. So the bottom's always going to be really short, so you kind of just have to be careful, and it may just crumble a bit anyway, but mm. it's okay because it's it's really tasty and the texture is nice, so I don't know. If you lose a few crumbs, it's kind of worth that price. But yeah, in the summertime when it's hot, you kind of have to let it chill fully and then start bringing it back to room temperature and choose that like right moment to slice it which is a little weird but I did actually have enough patience and yada yada to pull it off this time so just right is like just a little cooler than room temperature basically exactly it's in the it's been in the fridge since then like it didn't slice all the pieces at first I sliced Mm -hmm. enough um to take some pictures and to take some this is the first thing i've baked that i've taken to an like an outdoor little get together in since yeah you got to get other people started yeah um and and they liked it um it was a friend of mine it was her birthday i went and her partner was like oh these are really good and i was like yes (laughs) (laughs) validation external validation that's not from my child or my partner who doesn't like sweet things he hasn't been eating them i'm i'm working my like way at all millionaire <laughs> he had one and normally with all of the other stuff i bake like it, it's not just me you know reducing the quantity day over day have you ever asked both your child and your partner like to rank them like what is their favorite of the oh. baking corner bakes you've done so far and what is like their least favorite yeah, I'll ask them. I'll ask them and I'll report back. Okay. They liked the pie. Will liked the pie. I ate two slices of pie and then didn't eat any more pie. Yeah, you were not super into the pie. I just don't love pie. Sinclair loved the creme caramel. Like, she loved it so much. And that was your, like, dead last, I believe. Yeah, and Will also liked the creme caramel. The tea cakes are a bit intense for everyone. Um, we've all been a fan of, like, any of the cakes that I've made, I think. What about your, your, your various, your two Terran chairs? Oh, the Terran chairs. Yeah, actually, both, all the Terran chairs I've made, we've, I've, we've eaten more than one time. Like, even that, Mm. um, one that, the, like, sweet, intense one, I Mm. made it, I think, three times or something like that. The fudge bonanza. Yeah, the fudge bonanza. I loved the... I did love the fudge bonanza. And so did everyone else well enough anyway. Um. I'm surprised that the millionaire shortbread wasn't too intense. Like, in the same vein as the tea cakes. Like, I... It seems like the kind of thing, when I see it out in the world, I would get super excited and then I would buy it. And then the first bite would be incredible. And then on the third bite, I'd be like, I shouldn't have bought this. I made the squares, I make the squares not huge, so I did mm. a four and four, a four and four cut instead of a three and three, which I think I would, in an eight inch by eight inch pan, mm. and that felt like the right size. Anything bigger would be like too much. I would probably do three and three for like a brownie, mm. I would say, but um, anyway, uh, yeah, it is intense. So the caramel layer, you make out of sweetened condensed milk. And I had mm. just put condensed milk in the grocery list, actually, and Will came back with the unsweetened kind, and I'd asked for four cans, just in case I flubbed it. And so now we have two cans of sweetened condensed milk, because I walked back up and got four more of those. And now we also have four cans of just the condensed milk. I, what does one I, do with that? God only knows. I'm going to ask my um, English grandmother. <laughs> I don't know. This is something I gather. Uh, it's in the pouring cream family. Yeah, it's in the pouring cream family. Of British Did weirdness. You, what do I do with this? Yeah. Could you just put it in coffee? Uh, no, I don't think so. I think it'd be like oh, I <laughs> you think wouldn't do that to your coffee. Although, do you, is it sweetened condensed milk that goes in uh, Vietnamese coffee? What yeah, goes in? It's, yeah, it's sweetened condensed milk. 
I have Vietnamese coffee packets that that one of Will's uncles gave us from Vietnam, and they have sugar in the packet. Hmm. And so I I wonder if you could put some condensed milk in there, and I don't know. I'll give it a shot, or just have something Gigi. I think she might use some in her trifle. God only knows. Anyway, so that's intense. That layer is intense. The shortbread is not overly sweet, so that's helpful. I used uh, those really dark Calbo wafers Mm -hmm. for the the top. So it's really that semi-sweet, super dark chocolate that makes it a pleasurable experience rather than like a sweet, sweet, sweet experience. Mm. And I did notice too, Frances has a much thinner layer of chocolate on hers than, than I ended up with. Which makes sense, I think, in her case, because she wanted it to be able to set. And yes. I had all the time in the world. So, yes. But I would imagine that hers lost a little bit of that bitterness that you kind of need in, mm-hmm. in this. I was thinking about your tray bakes, actually. Because um, you do tray bakes, like, somewhat regularly. Like, brownies and lemon squares and cheesecake bars. Oh, and stuff, yeah. Right? Yeah. Yeah. That is true. So you're the... You're the tray bake pro. <laughs> I'm just, I'm, I'm your average lazy home baker, you know, like I just do <laughs> things that are easy and that's why we, we end up leaning on tray bakes a lot. Right. Um, like right now, right now my focus is trying to learn to bake like a couple gluten-free things just because I have so many friends. And so I've made, I, you know, I feel like my go-to is going to be these raspberry thumbprint cookies. Um, yeah. and then macarons are way too hard I've decided uh and then you know and then I made a gluten-free crisp that I feel like the ratios were off and then also just jam you can just make people jam oh yeah I guess that's true <laughs> to eat on something or as, as a gift like like uh oh, yeah so these, okay, these are like okay yeah these are like sweet treat gifts for friends okay um is so I've, I've landed on yeah 100% almond flour thumbprint cookies macarons which are you know an investment and uh crisps and jam is where i'm at so far in this journey um we uh tend to make a lot of crisps in the fall here whenever we have an apple abundance Mm. um or pear one of our neighbors is a pear tree and we had like like a lot of pears a lot of pears anyway but i like a crisp the recipe i used i think it just there was too much fruit and not enough crumble, kind of. Like, the crumble oh, yeah. was very they're good. Oh, yeah, they're all like that. They lie to you. And there, there are a lot of, like, quote-unquote, like, healthy bakers who are drawn to crisp, and you you cannot follow them down that path <laughs> because you're right. Like, the the ratio thing, you got to have your ratios right or it's, it's, not, it's not a pleasurable experience. So when I say the crumble was good, I had already, like, replaced the, the Greek yogurt in the recipe with more yeah. butter, you know, <laughs> and, like, the, the, like, coconut sugar with regular sugar. Yeah. Um, like, I had already dehealthified the recipe, but it was just still fundamentally too much fruit. Like, it was too soupy, you know? Like, I wanted it to stand up yeah. a little better and to have, like, crumble in every bite. Yeah. I hear that. You cannot trust the healthy baker bloggers. They're not... Mm-hmm. I, they have a different outlook on life. I know. They were like, eat it with yogurt for breakfast. And I was like, that, it was supposed to be a decadent treat for my friends. Which... Yeah. <laughs> Today's showstopper is a biscuit tower. At least 30 centimeters high. Yeah. Which is, what is that, a foot? Uh, yeah. Yeah, it's a foot. Yeah. yeah. I have two rulers here. I, don't, I have the child's ruler and my ruler. Um, Mary wants something that is exciting as a bake she wants the biscuits to be good she wants different flavors of biscuits and different like decoration approaches Mm -hmm. and she wants it to be innovative like she's sick of she's eaten a billion she's part of the british problem of buying more biscuits than (laughs) fruit and veg yes and she's tired of a jammy dodger and she needs something more exciting in her life yes so um so this is I would say that this is kind of like would you say this is Kimberly's like biggest mistake so far in some ways other than technicals mm. those don't count I 
guess. I don't know. I feel like she was unremarkable in this one. Like, I feel like a lot of people yeah. messed this up, and I wasn't paying attention to them because there were so many of them messing it up, yeah. sort of. And I feel like the people that mattered to me were the very few who did it well were my focus. Interesting. Um, this is not my style of baking. Hmm. It's Francis's style of baking, which is interesting, given the way things shake out. Yes. But um, I don't know. Building a biscuit tower, it, it's just a lot to think about. I guess I like to make a gingerbread house mm-hmm. in the winter, but uh, this is tricky. It's really hard. It's really tricky. So Kimberly makes a... What is she? What are they called again? Viennese whirls. They're cookies that have a super high fat content, which makes them short, textured, and crumbly. So she freezes the bottom one so that they'll take more weight. And actually, at the very end... Her tower looks pretty good, and she's gone with, like, a black and white uh, theme. Mm-hmm. So it's actually, like, quite striking. And I can see it kind of, like, looking good for the gram. Yes. But then Paul takes off the top, and he's just, like, doing that Paul thing where he squidges everything, and it all crumbles into dust. Like, yes. Ozymandias. And he's just, like, fail. F for yeah. failing cookie. And Mary doesn't isn't as uh, harsh. But they do sort of blow past Kimberly in the judging. Like, they don't talk yeah. about the taste at all. That is never mentioned in this episode. I have no idea how these cookies taste. It's just like, Paul yeah. just complains about them being baked improperly and it being a poor concept to begin with. Um, and about yeah. about the collapsing. But they don't mention how it tastes. That doesn't come up. No. I, they probably taste pretty good. I mean, how can you have a super high-fat cookie and have it not... I don't know. It's probably fine. Um, Francis makes this like baker's dozeny type tower i can't remember what she calls it's a it. haberdashery like it's buttons and right. threads and needles and tape measures and stuff yeah it falls down and uh it falls down. so and it cannot be like uh mel is holding it up for her at the end yeah. um and it's like i you know she can't keep doing that forever she has to let it go at some time yeah. and so it doesn't it's not 30 centimeters high right because it has collapsed um and yeah she made a lot of different flavors of biscuits. She talks about her friends taste testing it and saying, like, oh, you know, the vanilla one needs more vanilla, and I really like this one. Like, her friends actually give detailed, specific feedback, which is, like, those are good friends. Um, but, you know, in the end, what they say to her is, like, you had four hours and you just made a bunch of biscuits. Yeah. Which, you know, like... Paul says that. My initial reaction was to be mad at that. I feel like making yeah. a whole bunch of different cookies in four hours is very impressive, Paul. Shut up. And everybody... Made a bunch of biscuits. Like, that's the... But, yeah, that's... But, anyway. Um, no, I, f- I felt sad for Frances, um, especially given what she's generally capable of. It just kind of didn't go well. And then, to add insult to injury a little bit, she... Made a tower in the first one. <laughs> yeah. Her tower... Her, the tower she made in the first one would have met the brief. Yes in a pinch for the last one and so that's a bit of a bummer i think a jenga tower is a cool idea actually yes that would have been a good idea for this one it would have been kind of like a safe Mm. idea too like there's sort of no way it would have gone wrong and she could have done three different flavors yes yes oh well what a bummer so christine again like like the signature the judges love it um and i think it is incredibly boring i think christine makes exactly what the judges want and to me that is itself kind of boring right she makes the the first thing that comes to mind for the brief kind of in this very old-fashioned british way like she they call it like she made you know tea for a family you know and everyone gets a shortbread she makes an alpen an alpine alpine whatever clock uh, clock tower yeah i think in north america we'd call it like bavarian yes (laughs) The, the adjective we oh geez um and so she kind of makes these shortbread uh jenga blocks and she makes her clock tower out of these sort of jenga block shaped things and then her she makes a clock face out of a circular biscuit mm-hmm. and you know she does a good she does a good job of it she does a good job of it i i would eat it she does a great job of she does a great job of the most conventional thing. And the and the judges love that. And I don't, you know, like the shapes she uses for construction are the shapes that shortbreads come in commercially. You know, they're traditional yeah, shortbread shapes. I guess that's, yeah, that's um, true. And then when you compare it to something like Glenn with his like Penzerkaka pans and this like 
his helter skelter tower, right? With yeah. with the with the beautiful macarons like, you know, yeah. swirling all the way up. And and when you see him stacking them and then when you see the judges unstacking them and there's it's so precise and beautiful and difficult to achieve it's so innovative and he's so like pleased with himself you know he took yeah. when he takes those macros in the oven he's like they look really good like look at that i made those i just that to me is like that's incredibly challenging incredibly creative and innovative you know that's like what you're watching reality tv for you know a really good job i i felt so proud of glenn i was so happy for him this episode it was amazing yes and there's a really nice moment too between becca and glenn glenn is wondering if he should sprinkle freeze-dried raspberry powder on his kranzakaka rings before they go into the oven and becca's like oh i've tried that before it'll burn i have a bit of like edible glue or whatever she has why don't you just stick it on the outside with the edible glue I have after it comes out of the oven. And that was such a sweet moment. Yes. Yeah, I love that, that that they talked it through and she was helping him figure it out. That doesn't happen on other types of shows. No. The only time that people pitch in on, like, American reality shows is if someone's, like, really, really failing, like, real hard. Yes. And then it's, like, they make a lot of hay out of the... Anyway, um... I have a favorite one. Okay. Uh, do you have a, do you, do you, I want, I'm curious if you would have it, if you'd know now, which one am I? I, I also liked Howard's actually. Yeah. Um, yeah. I thought it was a great idea and I thought it looked great. It looked really precise. You know, it was, it, it was a good idea. And then. Even, like, what Mary didn't like about it, that she thought, like, so Paul's yeah. super impressed that he can infuse tea flavor at all, right? Because that's very challenging. Um, and Mary's like, they're kind of boring, like, to eat, even though it looks great. Yeah. Um, I was thinking, like, but that's the one you can eat the whole time. <laughs> like, I was thinking oh. of, like, I, I want to be at that party where, like, yeah. Howard comes out with his tea biscuit tower, and you sit around and you drink tea and you eat the whole tower together. Like, yeah. and it feels like the cookies probably goes great with tea and is like just the right amount of sweet for that i thought it had kind of all three things it looked beautiful and i liked the way that the concept like tied into the visual elements yeah and i don't mind a subtle flavor from time to time especially with like a biscuit actually because if you're if you're having them alongside tea like with his biscuit tower i think he made four different tea biscuit flavors I'm going to be able to eat all four of those biscuits. Like, I'll have enough, you know, they're not so intense that I'll get, I'll max out at two or whatever. I'll be able to eat all four, and I want to eat all four. And I'm, it's just sort of like a tasting menu. I don't know. I thought he did a really great job. Like, this is sort of like peak Howard. I love that you're excited about being able to eat four, and I'm excited about being able to eat the entire <laughs> Um, <laughs> I mean, push come to shove, I could probably eat the whole tower, but um, he has these little, like, corners of the, uh, one of the roofs that stick up, and I did, I was picturing just being, like, oh, like <laughs> jumping yeah. the corner of the yeah. tower up. I but... definitely agree with you, though, that I love that the taste and the visual are connected, you know, that they're not mm. separate elements, that they, they bear some relation, and that that was, like, thoughtful. Yeah, I think it's hard to pull that off in these challenges. Yeah, and not be corny. Yeah, exactly. We've had we've had reunification mm-hmm. <laughs> twice. Mm-hmm. And, I don't know. Yeah, people are often corny, or they're not connected, and that I don't like that because I'm a very linear, literal, boring person. Mm. Let's see who else. Uh, what is Becca? Uh, so Becca, they don't like. This is where the cookie biscuit thing happens. As Paul right. says, the texture's in between. It's not, like, soft enough to be a cookie. It's not, like, snappy enough to be a biscuit. And that was when I was oh. like, what? They're different things? I think chocolate chip cookie versus, um, you know, the hard style of gingerbread. Ginger snaps. Ginger snap. Yeah. yeah. I think that is the thing. Although, don't quote me on it, but that would be my understanding. I think they'd see cookies as, like, an American. Yeah. I think they mean... <laughs> Like, American soft-baked cookie is what a cookie yeah. is. Uh, I love a soft-baked cookie. I love it all. I this is I, I love it all, but I I can eat more of the crisp, snappy type of cookie. Um, oh, yeah. 
And then Ruby did that thing that we were talking about earlier, where she, she, you know, she says to the camera, like, that bake had to save me, and clearly I've messed it up completely. Um, yeah. And then the judges say, it's great, tastes lovely, beautiful textures. It does, um... I'm with Ruby on this one because this is the type of thing I would do. I would be like, hey, you know what I can do? I can build the cone on the bottom. I can coat it uh, with chocolate and have it look like that circular splatted cone. And then I can build another cone up. Uh, I can build the cone cone up from the ice cream and I can visualize it in my head. It's going to be great. And then the execution of it is fine but it's not what I see in my head and I I don't know yeah I mean I get it because you don't it's, it's she doesn't pull off a total flatness in the in the ice cream orb at all and the judges are way kinder about that than than I than I would be to myself in that situation Mary got it immediately she says it's like you want to pick up the cone off the ground um, and like Mary it. likes Ruby Paul likes Ruby, too. They both really like Ruby. I, if I have a certain standard for myself that I don't meet, I don't really care what anyone else thinks about it. I, I Okay, so I felt like at the end of this one, you know, I told you going into it, I felt like Howard should go. I feel like at the end of this challenge, I thought, I wish no one had to go this time. It didn't uh, feel to me like... Like, like I, I agree that Rob was at the bottom. Rob does go. Um, I feel like he was sort of... We haven't talked about his bake. So he makes the, the, the he makes a Dalek um, from Doctor Who, and it's it looks fine. It looks a little like childish. It looks very much like a Dalek, but like in a yeah, you'd make it for a kid's Doctor Who's birthday party kind of way. Over reliance on fondant. There's yeah, there's a lot of it that's not edible. You know, like the edible glue looks terrible and tastes of nothing. He uses like a cocktail toothpicks to like hold bits of it up that makes other parts of it edible. Mm-hmm. It's, it's for sure a weak bake, and he, he for sure had a bad episode, and he, like, deserved to leave. But I felt like in the grand scheme of the season and who was left, I wish no one had to go yeah, this time. Yeah, I, I, I hear that. Um, I think that Howard saved himself with the last bake. Um, yes. Because he was clearly on a trajectory to be the one who went home, and that wasn't the way it turned out. Although... Rob's uh, signature wasn't great. Yeah, we talked about that. Um, so at the end, Kimberly is shocked that she doesn't go home. Like, a camera holds on her because she's so yeah. shocked, thinking that she for sure had lost today. Um, and then Mary kind of chastises Francis and Ruby in that, like, those, like, last seconds where their mics are on, kind of. Like, she makes it clear to both of them that they kind of were in danger. Um, mm. And I realized this episode that I don't really imagine Paul and Mary having like genuine legitimate discussions, like when the camera is off, you know, like at the end of every episode, they say to like Mel and Sue, like we need to talk about it. Um, And I realized that I kind of always thought that was a lie. Like I always thought like the camera turns off and then like one of them goes like Rob and then goes, yep. And that's it. Right. And then they like go out. But then, because of this, like, Mary kind of murmuring to the others at the last second, I did wonder if there was, like, a genuine debate, actually. If Mary felt like oh, a yeah. lot of people were on the chopping block and Paul was like, it's just Rob. Mary was like, okay, fine. But I, I do think they have to discuss. I do think they have to discuss, at least for some, when Lucy goes home. Yeah. That's not a choice, exactly, right? Like, that's yeah. just, like, she chose. If yeah. <laughs> she chose to go home. Yeah. But um, but a lot of times I think there's got to be discussion about at least one of the people. Um, there's that episode that we thought for sure that Kimberly Kimberly was gonna get Star Baker and Ruby got it. Mm-hmm. I would assume that that had some discussion around it. And actually tonight's too. Like, well, actually, so while they're judging, while they're doing the chatty judging part. They compliment Christine, mm-hmm. and the camera cuts to her shaking icing sugar over one of her evergreen trees for snow, and it, it was at that moment where I was like, oh yeah, she gets Star Baker. <laughs> hmm. I don't know. I, I don't know if I do. I, I have a lot of trouble imagining them, like, genuinely arguing, I guess, and, like, really being, really disagreeing and having to, like, come to a difficult consensus that, like, one of them is not totally happy with. 
Um, and you're right, like that must happen, but I just like, I can't picture it. I feel like there's something so certain and also probably realistically they have to discuss it with the producers, right? Like they have to get approval Mm. for their choices too. Um, but I, there's something like so severe and final about those choices, I guess. And the way they're framed in the TV show that my brain just like, can't picture it. Um, can't yeah. picture that they like seriously considered anyone else. So I am curious about that aspect of it, though. I have, I assume, I go into every single American reality show assuming that the producers have a pretty major role in a lot of decision making processes. Um, and I have always thought about GBBO that that probably it is just the judges for the most part, unless the produce, yeah, that they're way more hands off. I would guess they still have to get final approval like I doubt the producers have ever argued with them and told them no but I would guess there's still like a mechanism in pa- in place hmm. like especially like like when they especially when they choose like two are going to go home this week or something right um or maybe right. if they are right on the line if they say like we think these people are perfectly even and their producers are like well there's better footage that makes more sense for this person leaving oh. <laughs> and they're like okay you know like I, I can imagine oh, no. like we've been watching back the dailies and it's like a better narrative arc if this person goes home and Paul and Mary think it's, like, truly 50-50, then maybe that person goes home. I, I can imagine that type of thing. For this episode, long story short, Rob did not get creamed, but sometimes that's just the way the cookie crumbles. You're supposed to say that after. Creamed like butter and sugar. No, this is only, this is my penultimate set of puns. Today. Oh, I see. You have, okay. You have runner-up puns now. Well, this has been The Rough Buffs. Uh, your hosts are Andrea Bennett and Kim Fu. Uh, we both write books. Andrea's most recent is an essay collection called Like a Boy But Not a Boy, available wherever fine books are sold. Um, you can find us on Twitter at Rough Puffs or on Instagram at The Rough Puffs. Um, and please come say hi and vote on our polls and look at Andrea's baking pictures and engage with us. We're around. Good night to everyone. Whether you bake well or bake poorly. I knew it was going to be a bake well pot. <laughs> yeah. How could it not be? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>